I'll always tell it like it is, that's the bottom line If you just living to exist, you want borrowed time Don't ever let them take your soul, no, no, no Don't ever let them take your soul, no, no, no I'll always tell it like it is, that's the bottom line If you just living to exist, you want borrowed time Bottom line, that's the bottom line, yeah, that's the bottom, that's the bottom line, that's the bottom Ladies and gentlemen, we're back, the bottom line, and tonight uh, is a very special night. Today is International Overdose Awareness Day, and we're here at dusk in the town of Cohasset, Massachusetts, and... Um, it's interesting that we're in this particular town of Cohasset, which is, I think many would consider a very well-to-do town, very nice town, a very suburban, upper, middle-class town that has certainly, I think, welcomed the event that will be here tonight. I think they've been welcoming to people, you know, many towns in many places around the country People care about the issues. They care about addiction. They care about overdose. They care about mental health issues. They care about homelessness. But they don't necessarily want to have a homeless shelter in the neighborhood. They don't necessarily want to have a treatment center in the neighborhood. They don't necessarily want those people there. But I guess in their hearts, they care about them, but not enough to have them in their own town. Well, I'm here to tell you today that um, the town of Cohasset has, uh, has taken a very different position on that. Um, not only are they welcoming the overdose awareness vigil that will happen here tonight to recognize the people that have not only died from Cohasset, but that have died in the United States of America, have died in Massachusetts, and we're talking about hundreds and thousands, hundreds of thousands of people over the course of the last 10 years. Um, and so I want to first uh, say to the town of Cohasset, thank you. Thank you for your willingness to think differently. Thank you for your open-mindedness. Thank you for the fact that you, by your actions, you are showing that you truly care, right? It's not talk. You're showing that you truly care. And, and, and in one of the ways that they've shown that they truly care is they've recently welcomed our sponsor for tonight's podcast, Evoke Wellness. Um, they welcomed them to their town. And I want to tell you that one of my dear friends is the co-owner of Evoke Wellness. So I'd like to get that out of the way. Um, but when he told me he was going to Cohasset with a treatment center, I said, no way. And he said, no yeah, way. He said, these people have been so willing to sit down with us, to have conversations, to talk about having this resource in their community and how can they help and what are the hurdles and, and what can they do in the town. We're actually here in front of the Cohasset Town Hall. And, um, and he was just overwhelmed with the fact that they were so welcoming. Um, so what I want to do now is we're going to speak to many people tonight. We're going to speak to people that are on 
different, not different sides of this thing, but they look at it from different perspectives. And we're going to speak to a, a, a couple of people tonight that um, have paid a heavy, heavy, heavy price um, for this opioid epidemic that we've been living through. And the first person that we're going to talk to um, is a dear, dear friend of mine. Is uh, a man that I have... <sighs> I've marched alongside of him. I've made films on the addiction, the opioid epi- epidemic that we're living through. I've, I've spoke at schools with him. I've been on radio shows with him. Um, I consider him to be uh, a warrior for the cause. Um, and Tony LaGreca is going to, uh, he's going to introduce himself. He's going to tell you a little bit about, why he's here tonight and why he's so passionate about this particular issue. Tony, welcome to the bottom line. Uh, it's been a long time coming, buddy. We keep talking about having you, having you, having you. And then it, I think COVID sort of changed the way we do things. And, you know, uh, we're in two different states. So it was hard to figure out how to bring you, get you on, do the do what we had to do. But now COVID, we learned that we don't need to do that. And in fact, it's so strange to be sitting here with you. Granted, we're, it seems like 25 feet away from each other, um, but we're here together in the same place for the same reason. And uh, Tony, welcome and, and thank you for being here. Thank you, Jim. Um, yes, <clears throat> I lost my son, Matthew, on April 10th, 2014. <clears throat> and after about 30 days after his death, I decided that um, I didn't want his death to be in vain. <clears throat> so I made up my mind that I was going to go out <clears throat> and, and make sure that everybody knew as much about the opioid epidemic and how my son started. My son was a football player at Curry College just down the street from here. He got an injury to his neck, and when he was taken to the hospital, he was given a prescription for 30 days' worth of an opioid called oxycodone. Mm. I filled that in. I filled that um that prescription, not knowing at all that this was a deadly drug that was highly addictive. And my plan for the last six years <clears throat> is to make sure other parents weren't na- not naive like I am, like I was. Mm-hmm. You know, and, it's, and this is a somber day because not only myself, but uh, in April of 2020, we passed the 500,000 mark of deaths of overdose in, in, in this country. Just in this country, 500,000. And again, a great number of that started with an average prescription. And I want to make sure that that gets out and everybody is well aware that make sure you know what it is before you fill it. Mm. So we're here at International Overdose Awareness Day in Cohasset. And I've done a number of these events. I did uh, the last couple. I was in Marlboro, Massachusetts. Um, I spoke at one, two in Marlboro, and and then I spoke at one on the Boston Commons. And, um, yeah, so, you know, the first time I did this in Marlboro, um, you know, I, I get asked, it seems like kind of a lot to come and share whatever it is that people ask me to share on things that I know about. I'm a person in long-term recovery. I sort of have had a very upfront and up-close look at this, this addiction uh, epidemic. And, um, I, the first time 
I did one of these, I was asked and I just said yes, right? Because I think you know me by now, Tony, yes. is yeah. I just try to say yes. <clears throat> when someone asks me to be of service, I just try to say yes and then try to figure it out because I feel like it's it's a commitment that I made to God for me. And so I was asked to speak at the Marlboro event by a dear friend, Kathy Leonard, and I said, absolutely. And the day came. I didn't give it much thought. I wrote down some thoughts, that things that I would share. And I drove up there and I got out of my car and there were 2,700 and some odd purple flags on the ground. And people were there and it was like this. It was dusk. It wasn't dark yet. And people were just holding each other, hugging each other, crying. And they were... Um, very somber, I guess, is an understatement. And I was completely overwhelmed. And I was completely unprepared for for that, for what the impact of that would be for me, right? Because I know a lot of people that have had this, this terrible thing happen to their family. But um, those flags, to see those flags, to see all those flags together was in front of the whole town hall. The whole area in front of the town hall was completely covered with purple flags. Um, it really impacted me. It really, it almost knocked me down. It was so emotional. And I literally ran into the, to the Catholic church that was across the street and just, I just went in there and I just had to be quiet and be still and pray because I didn't know what to do and I didn't know how to handle it. It was so overwhelming. And, um, and that's sort of, I don't know if I'm an outsider, but you belong to a very, very exclusive club that nobody wants to belong to. That's right. <clears throat> and so I think about what it's like for you, right, to, to be here and to be in places like this where they're recognizing the people lost. Um, and I just wondered if you could share a little bit of your of your thoughts, your personal thoughts about that. Yeah. <clears throat> well, when you lose a child, there's absolutely nothing worse in the world that could happen. And you absolutely have a hole in your heart for the rest of your life. And every day, every day it comes into your mind. And you never know when it's going to come. And it's mm. been six years since my son died. And it's still an everyday thing. And I look at his picture every night before I go to bed. Mm -hmm. um, and I have several pictures of him from the time he was three years old till the time he was 35 years old. Mm -hmm. And to see that person gone uh, for no good reason other than greed of some pharmaceutical company mm -hmm. is a very, <clears throat> very disturbing and when you see these parents who get together in these vigils and everything, um, we need each other. And that's, that's the thing that helps each person move on. Mm. Um, and I heard of somebody who had um, lost two people from the World Trade Center. And this man told me that the first year he had this huge boulder on his back. And everywhere he went, um, the boulder went with him. And it had been 10 years since I saw him since that happened. And he said, the boulder's still there, but my back's a little stronger. Mm. And I think about him all the time, They're losing two immediate relatives. He lost his right. wife and his brother. Mm. And then, but this is different because there's a problem with stigma. When my son got his prescription, he was a patient. When my son <clears throat> went back to the hospital for recovery, he was an addict. Mm. All of a sudden, everything changes. And when your son dies... 
oh, oh, he died of drugs. You know, everybody gets the wrong idea. They think that he was like just out there looking for drugs, you know, from day one. And it didn't happen that way. This drug, the opioid drug, is so potent that it takes control of your brain. And even if you don't get addicted, once you've been on opioids for longer than 30 or 40 days, Mm. you have to be weaned off of it carefully or you get dope sick. And this is the big thing that we need. I'd like to get that message out, you know. Um, It's not, it's the stigma is the worst part of it. You know, like Mm. the HIV problem was back in the 80s, same thing. Nobody wants to talk about it. Right. But they're not really attacking the real problem, you know, because there's so much money behind it. Mm. But today's the day that everybody, it's totally aware all around the country. You know, in fact, the world is international. Tony, I just really want to ask you, uh, uh, I guess, another question, because you sort of alluded to it in your last statement about, um, you know, that it's it's out there. It's everywhere now. Right. Um, Tell me about your experience in terms of speaking to people that don't have experience in it, that haven't had a personal experience. And because I know there's a lot of people out there fighting for change that gratefully, and they are very grateful that they haven't had this experience. Right. Um, But they're still out there in the fight. Right. Tell me, tell me what that means to you um, to know that it's not just the people, although it is, mainly the people that have had this experience when I go and I, and I go to these marches and I go to these events and I see the same faces and I just, and then I see new faces with them in, in the faces of the people that are, have lost a loved one, uh, to me, very recognizable. There's a pain in their eyes. Like I look at your eyes. We were joking around before we got started. I said, what a handsome man you are. Right. Well, that wasn't the joke yeah. part. Right. Yeah. But, but when I look in your eyes, you have beautiful blue eyes, right? But I see the pain in there. And I see the pain when I talk to you and we laugh and joke and we have a good time. I still see it. Oh, yeah. And yeah. so look and I see it and, and I <clears throat> see other people that have had this experience embracing others. Right? People, there are now, when, when, when we met, we met during the filming of If Only. Right. And we met, that was almost six years ago. So the, your loss was very fresh, right? It was. And at that time, um, we, we were filming a, the movie, If Only, for, for those you that are not aware. And it's a film that we've shown to probably a quarter of a million people around the country. And it, 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 it sort of examines a young high school kid's experimentation with with addictive drugs and then finally opioids and and it's a very heavy film and um there's a scene in the film where where uh it's a funeral scene and we ended up bringing together about 250 moms and dads who had lost children and we asked them if they would participate in this particular part of the film which was heavy 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 stuff um but though i guess for me it was one of the most important days of my life was that that particular day shooting that particular scene. And the reason that is, is because when I look back now, many of those people at that moment were going through this completely alone. There were people that showed up that heard about it in the newspaper or wherever. And they had just recently lost a child and they were so alone 
and so overwhelmed with grief that they just needed to be around somebody that knew their pain, right? It wasn't going to make it go away, but just somebody because the stigma that we talk about, right? When you're, when you're on the wrong end of stigma, when you're on the wrong end of stigma, you feel like everybody's looking at you. Everybody's talking about you, right? Everybody's blaming somebody, right? And, um, I think about those people finding each other. And I think about the groups and the organizations that weren't even thoughts at that point and that are now, and I'm not saying that I had anything to do with it. I know that for me, it was, it was God inspired that these people found each other and they leaned on each other and they lifted each other up and took care of each other. They weren't alone anymore. But then my first year I was, um, I call it a customer, I guess. I went to a place in Kingston called Hope Floats, and we had groups of people who had lost a child, and there was a facilitator there. Um, within a year's time, I became the facilitator, and I was also a facilitator at a GRASP group as well. And I know how I felt the first month. It was simply awful. And I can remember being <clears throat> at Hope Floats and seeing people walking in for the first time, and they couldn't get over the threshold to just mm. walk in the door. They came because they needed help, right. but at the same time, they were just so lost, and some of them had such an emotional meltdown. We had mm. to literally comfort them to walk, get them through the front door. Mm -hmm. And and I I wanted to give back to those people because somebody was there for me, and that was really important to me. And uh, Hope Floats and Grasp, and there's other groups around the country that anybody who runs those groups as a facilitator, they're really, really important to, the, to that parent who sure. lost a child and it's fresh. Right. And uh, <clears throat> going back to the If Only movie, um, if you remember, we had to do the scene where we brought the casket in multiple times. Mm -hmm. And that was just a reminder for all of us, you know, and, and, and the, the bonds that I made with the people at... Um, at that session of the If Only movie because everybody around me, I still have their phone number and right. I still get their names and we, we've stayed together. Mm. Um, you, you, we bonded in a negative way, but we sure. bonded for, for life. And yeah. anybody who's lost a child, we're, they're in our group. You know, and, I mean, when we went to Maryland and we spoke to the high school kids from Maryland, there was eight or nine parents there and, and I met them for the first time. And it was just like I'm... They exactly knew how I felt. I knew right. how they felt, and we bonded. That was the mm. key thing. We just um, became part of a different kind of family. Right. Yeah, there are people, many people that were there that day that I am still very connected to. And there, you know, I um, there's one particular person, um, Louise Griffin, who was the organizer. She organized right. this for me. Right, the, to be to have, bring these families together, get the word out. She's the one that found me. Yeah, and her her son Zachary's birthday is the same day as my birthday, yep. and so I think about Zachary not only on my birthday, obviously, but on my birthday, I think about that. I think about her, her young beautiful boy, um, and I think about. I often think about all of you guys the work that you do and I'm a believer if, if people don't ain't picked up on that already. I, I mentioned God quite often. I'm a believer. I believe in God and, and, and I believe that God uses us right to, 
to help others. He uses us as a tool, as a as a as a, a pick and a hammer, right, to help others. And um, I I feel strongly that uh, that these people, that these children, and these young men and women that have lost their lives to this to the scourge of this epidemic, right, and were preyed upon and and conspired against by you know, not people from south of the border, but educated men with suits on, right? Oh, yeah. Um, I think about them, and I think about what their children would think of them now out there throwing themselves in the street, laying in front of places, fighting to get names taken off buildings and get change and lower flags and and find beds and treatment and starting organizations and I think about that and I, I, I can only think that how proud their children must be looking down on them and I think about that for you and I think about how proud your boy must be of you I and think all, of, all I think that, that all the time and all that you've done Tony because I'm going to tell you something man we joke around a lot but to me and I know this makes you uncomfortable and it makes a lot of people uncomfortable to me you're a hero somebody that takes their pain shares it with others so that they don't have to have that pain is a hero. Well, the, the, to me, the best way to help with grief is action. Amen. And I want, <clears throat> I want to do that as, as much as possible until the day I die. That's, that's going to be my goal. It's going to be the, to get out there and make sure that everybody's aware and to do whatever I can do to, to, to stop it. Because this okay. is not a disease like, Right. COVID-19, this is a this epidemic that comes in a bottle from a drugstore. Right. You know, that's where most of it starts, you know. Yep. So we need to, we know we can stop it. It's just a matter of getting the right people to understand. Amen. You know, I wanted to tell you one quick thing, too, yep. is during COVID, um, over 2019, we are up 40% in overdoses in the United States this year. And I think it's very important that this isolation problem, two things are happening, is isolation is one People have a problem and they overdose and they're by themselves. Mm -hmm. No one's going to call 911 right. and no one's going to, um, you know, administer Narcan. Right. So that's a, one of the problems. So if you have somebody who's got an addiction problem, stay in touch with them. Stay in touch so they don't feel lonely. Right. That's really, really important. You know, um, and the other thing is, hard as it sounds, but because of the isolation, <clears throat> Uh, people in the United States are turning to fentanyl mm. as they to satisfy their, and they say satisfy, but to keep them from becoming dope sick right. and to feed this addiction. Right. Uh, and fentanyl is highly dangerous, as we all know. But it's you never know. It's it's uh, you're rolling the dice. You don't know what you're going to get. So uh, it's highly highly dangerous compared to heroin and opioids. You know, and oh. there's a lot of fentanyl out on the street now. Well, Tony, I want to thank you being here i want to thank you for being my friend i want to thank you for the work that you do and i want you to know that um you're uh not only on my mind quite often but you're in my prayers all the time brother so thank you god bless you and uh and i look forward to the time when we when we when we see this thing eradicated man and we see we don't have to see more people have to bury their children so thank you tony Thank you very much for having me. Hi, right, brother. Hey, guys. Jim Wahlberg here from The Bottom Line. 
want to tell you that tonight's episode is sponsored by Evoke Wellness, a 64-bed premier medical substance use disorder detox and wellness facility in Cohasset, Massachusetts. I want to tell you that we're here in Cohasset tonight at an overdose awareness vigil for International Overdose Awareness Day, and the town and this facility have come together to make a difference. And I want to thank them, and I want to thank you for joining us here at The Bottom Line. Hey guys, Jim Wahlberg here. Uh, we're back at the bottom line and we are still here at the International Overdose Awareness Vigil in Cohasset, Massachusetts. And um, we are, uh, the event is really just starting to get going now. And, and I'm, what I'm doing is I'm sitting here in front of town hall. We're outside, so you might hear background noise or people screaming or whatever you might hear. Uh, we're sort of at the will of the people out here, but I'm sitting here and I'm watching car after car pull in to the town hall here and I'm watching people and they are social distancing, but there are quite a few people and they're spread out here and they are, um, they are here to support. They are here to acknowledge they are here to be a part of a solution. And, um, and it's really an honor for me to be here in Cohasset, Massachusetts. It's an honor for me to participate in International Overdose Awareness Day. And it's also an honor for me to have my next guest here with me. Uh, my next guest, Michael Duggan, who is the CEO and co-founder of Evoke Wellness Massachusetts, uh, is a... Yeah, I guess I don't want to use the same terminology. If I call everybody a dear friend, then they, they, it gets diminished, right? Uh, so I'll just, I guess I'll put it a better way. Mike is one of my best friends. Uh, Mike and I have traveled this road of, um, of trying to make a difference, trying to be on the front line, trying to fight this epidemic. And we, we come at it from a very different and unique place, right? I'm a person in long-term recovery and I'll out Mike before he gets on the mic. And Mike is also a person in long-term recovery. I am. And, um, and Mike has made it his business to make a difference. Mike has made it his life's work to make a difference. And, uh, Mike, I got to tell you, before I turn the mic over to you, uh, how impressed I am with the people of Cohasset and the way they have showed up here tonight, the way they have welcomed evoke and have opened their arms and said we want to be part of the solution and we welcome evoke wellness to our town yeah it's been surprising and shocking and it's sad to say that but it's just the reality from what my experience has been mm. in, in other communities over the years yeah um and i think that speaks to a lot of the advocacy work that's taking place and unfortunately that's uh, a direct result to all of the loss, um, you know, and, and the impact that this epidemic has had and the devastation it's caused on so many families um, that that is pretty much why we're here this right. evening is right. to really, you know, spend time and in, in, in memory and, and, and understand the impact that 
it has on every community mm. and Cohasset being one of them. So I've, I've been through the process before of, of going into town meetings that have gone uh, the opposite from which I've hoped in mm. terms of bringing resources to communities because they've been uh, so, you know, heavily stigmatized. And, right. um, you know, the town has always been of the mindset, we support what you're doing, just not here, right. just not in our community. Um, so when we started getting involved with this project in Cohasset, uh, I kind of just anticipated that right. as just a general norm. And you just kind of, you know, you face the the obstacles and you try to get over them just with education. You try to educate people about right. what you're trying to do and the help you're trying to offer. And you try to change uh, one opinion at a time, you know, right. and face that adversity. Um, we didn't have to do that at all with one person mm. at this stage. Wow. Um, one person. We didn't have to, you know, overcome any obstacles at all. Right. If anything, it's been the exact opposite. And that just blew me away. The level of support, you know, from the people in the community mm. that we have spoken to has all been, what can we do to help you? Right. Not you want to do something like this. This is what it's going to cost right. you. Right. Do you think it's, do you think it's, um, do you feel like it's because the, the epidemic is so huge and it impacts so many people from so many different places. We clearly understand that this thing does not discriminate. Absolutely. Right. Um, do you think, do you think that's what it is? Or do you think that this town in particular just is warm and welcoming? Like, is it a combination? It's definitely a combination. Yeah. You know, I think that, um, the reality is that this town, this community, it's a small community, yeah. you know, uh, I think there's around 8,000, 9,000 community members, residents in the yeah. town of Cohasset. So it's a small town, which can make it even more challenging, you know, for what's beautiful though, it's right? It's a beautiful, it's a beautiful, community. beautiful town. You drive in, I mean, people, are, it appears anyways, that financially people are doing well here. And I feel like in it, it, history has told us that it, it's the more prominent or more well off a town is, the more the less likely they are exactly. to welcome you. Yeah, right. That, exactly. I said it earlier. I mean, clearly, I think everybody in our country cares about the most basic of issues. Right. They care that people have a place to sleep. They care that people have rights. They care that people have food. They care that people can provide for their families. And, and that and people need mental health and that people have addiction issues and they need treatment. But it's always uh, for the mass, the past, I don't know, I've been doing this for 30 years. I've been working in and around the field of addiction and I've been clean and sober for just over 30 years. And I've worked in homeless shelters. I've worked in treatment centers. I, I mean, I've done it all. And there's always been a sort of thought process of we want them to get help or we want them to get help somewhere else exactly we don't want that here we feel like it's going to bring some sort of an element here um and that hasn't been your experience here and 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 i'm impressed we opened up um when i was part of an organization in the past i worked off uh, you know on on a site a specific project and the neighbors in the community we're trying to use the intended use as leverage to negotiate getting something in return for themselves to benefit them. Mm. You know, we'll allow you here, but I want a new fence for my yeah. home, you know, yeah. something of that nature, because they felt like they, we had to submit in order to help anybody in the community, mm. which was just the, you know, a complete shame, you know, when, 
um, we went through that experience and, you know, to have it the opposite way where it's, what can we do? Is there anything you're not receiving? Is there any help we can offer you? Is there any resources that we can provide you to be successful in our community? Because we want to be part of the solution. Mm. We identify that the problem is here and we're not calling you the problem like other communities have in the past when you're trying to offer addiction treatment resources. You know, we want you to succeed and be successful and Mm. we're willing to offer anything that we can to help you along this path to make sure that we understand that a lot of the community members have been impacted by addiction. And Mm. yes, we want to focus on the prevention efforts that are in place that have been happening for years, but we identify with the fact that people are struggling here and they are in our community and we want them to get the best possible care in their community. Mm. They don't need to travel far to receive it. We want their families involved. We want them to have the opportunity to show up to the front door in desperation and feel they're welcome not only by you, but by us as a community here as well. Well, you said something that was really important and impactful to me, And, and they want you to be successful because I guess ultimately they get it, right? If you're successful, then they're successful. Absolutely. Right? It, yeah. If if you're being successful, then that's good for their community. That's good for their town, right? Not to even mention, you know, you're employing lots of people. There's all these other ancillary benefits. But the bottom line is, is you're trying to help save lives. And they want you to be successful in doing that yeah. before anything else. And so, um, yeah, I, I'm, I, I'm... I can't even just, I'm so excited to see this happening for you, for, for Evoke Wellness. And, but more importantly, I'm so excited to see this happening for the town of Cohasset. Absolutely. Right. That they have a place that they can turn and, and that they're willing to, uh, to embrace that. And so. And we've heard will be mentioned where we're located at this specific location. Some of the responses from people in Massachusetts would be like, Oh, no way, no way, no way Cohasset, you know, completely opposite. Hold on. I'm going to raise my hand and I'm going to tell on myself. When you told me you were going to Cohasset and opening the treatment center, I said, no, you're not. There's no way. I literally just said, no, you're not. Yeah. And I don't, and, and that's part of that is, uh, what I'm guilty of based on my bad wiring, which is contempt prior to investigation. Who you? Right? They talk about that in a little book that we try to live by. <laughs> and, and, you know, cause I'm from Dorchester, right. And I'm, I'm from a different kind of place. And, um, you know, when you grow up in Dorchester, you Cohasset is really far away mm-hmm. in, in just, not just in miles, but in, sort of the way they get to live as opposed to the way I got to live. And I'm talking about many years ago because Dorchester is a beautiful place. Um, but I was, I was, uh, I had contempt prior to investigation. I said, and I think it sounds like many other people are doing the same thing. No way, no way. It's such a nice town. It's so, you know, they're doing well there. They're not going to want you there. Yeah. Wrong. And they're already in the trenches. Wrong. Yep. Wrong, wrong, wrong. I have never heard of a town open their arms up like these guys have done here yeah. for, for our treatment center or for any kind of social services, medical facility, anything. If it's going to add one more car or traffic, if it's going to add a potential problem, if it's going to bring a person around that a town doesn't think they want in their town, then they shut it down. Yeah. 
They don't, they get right in the way of it. And to have you guys welcomed is, uh, it's fantastic because it should be fantastic for everyone because we all win when you're doing well, we all win. Right. And, and when your clients and your patients are doing well, that means that that's the ripple effect of it's the opposite ripple effect of the ripple effect of what, what I just talked to Tony about Mm -hmm. of losing a child and how that pain goes on and on and on and on for the rest of your life. Yeah. Right. For the rest of your life, your child is not there. Your loved one is not there. And when somebody's given the opportunity and takes the opportunity and, uh, in, in, in treatment takes and recovery starts to flourish, there's no way that you can even begin to imagine how many people that affects one person gets clean. Mm-hmm. How many people that affects? We talk because we're talking about years, right? Oh, yeah. We're talking about every kindness they do, every service they do, every they have children, they raise their children, and they're there and they're available because they were able to find recovery. Because we know that addiction destroys families. Absolutely, you know, and we don't have to physically actually lose somebody to have our families destroyed. But, you know, I've always lived by the motto that if there's breath, there's hope. Absolutely. Right. And so we continue to pray. We continue to stay on the front lines. We continue to um, to try to be of service to those in need. And uh, I want to thank you, Mike, for being here. I love you, buddy. I'm, I'm proud of you. I'm, uh, I'm excited for you. I'm excited for what this means for us. And because I plan on being as involved as one person can be involved because yeah. this is my home. Massachusetts is, is my home. And I always appreciate the support. And it's funny because, yeah. you know, we're, we're, we're lighthearted, you know, I mean, yeah. we, we have to be, yeah. you know, before we, we, you know, come and try to get involved as much as we yeah. do together. And we have over the years, and it's been a blessing being right there next to you and beside mm. you in this fight with so many others, um, you know, but, you know, prior to, we joke around a lot because the reality situation is once you're, you know, involved in this type of activity, it's, it's so heavy. It, mm. it weighs on you so heavy that you need to just to try to get, you know, get through it. Just being here this evening and, yep. you know, on International Overdose Awareness Day and kind of what that means. Like I have pictures of family members and names of friends that are just going through my head right now that are not here today that have passed away, you know. Um, and it's just, it just, you know, breaks my heart, just, you know, mm. all the loss that not only myself, but yourself has con, you know, kind yeah. of been impacted Hundreds by. of thousands of lives, right? And we may have been seeing, we were seeing a downtick in numbers, although slight, but we were seeing starting a, a trend, right? A trend towards all of this work is making a difference, Right. Because this is heartbreaking work. This is not like I paint the house. If I paint the house, I put paint on the house. Yeah. I see the work. Right. When you work in in this space and when you work with people struggling from substance use disorder, um, you don't see the fruits of that work sometimes for many years. And, and, and it's not you are one in a, in a whole link of a chain of people trying to provide that person with some assistance some in some treatment or some support or whatever it is and so um you don't see 
the fruits of your labor, if it were, if if you would, um, or even the fruits of their labor. Mm-hmm. Sometimes for many many years, many trips, many falls, many struggles, and um, you know to be to be uh, it's heavy duty. It's heavy 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 duty stuff, and um, and and then you think about how heavy it is to to be in the space working, and then you think about the family. Yep. Right, the family that's living this oh, yeah. this this life. Right, this life of struggle. And addiction, the chill, you think about the children and the moms and dads and brothers and sisters and nieces and nephews and cousins and coworkers. And, you know, w- when somebody is affected with substance use disorder, it, it affects many people. Yeah. Like right now I'm thinking about my cousin, you yeah. know, she passed away six months ago, as you yep. know. And it was Two years, three years prior to that, that me and you were in the hospital at Boston Medical Center after yep. my aunt just overdosed, yep. you know, with her and her yep. other sisters praying, yep. mm. you know, thinking about their mother who just passed away from an yep. overdose, you know, and the impact that it had on her daughters just was devastating, yep. devastating. And just recently having to bury, you know, one of her daughters, my, my cousin, who mm. was born a month before me. She was a sister of mine my whole mm. life. And the fact that she leaves behind, you know, four young children, babies in this world, mm. you know, and yeah. that will carry on in their lives and affect them in so many ways for the rest of their life. Absolutely. And that's what you're talking about in terms yeah. of the impact and the devastation and the chain and, right. you know, how many generations it can carry on for mm. in terms of the tragedy and what it can do to a family. And yeah, I was thinking, I, you know, I've been hit in the head a lot. You have. I have. I have a bald head, so you guys can see. You didn't the, even have to you, tell me. You that, can I see. Hope. You can see the scars, and so I did travel down. I traveled off the road that I was on. What what I what I wanted to say was, um, you know, we started to see a downward trend. Yeah. Right. We started to see all of the work that people are doing to make to to change and to educate uh, people on this this epidemic. We started to see a slight downward tick. Mm-hmm. And I think the downward tick was on overdose deaths, not necessarily on overdoses, mm-hmm. certainly not on how many people are using and using for the first time. Yeah. Or We get a lot of knocking right. and education out right. there. Absolutely. So here's the thing. We started to see some sort of a downward trend, and then we get hit with COVID, yep. right? And so one of the first things that, we learn in recovery is not to isolate, right? Not to isolate, to communicate with others, to be in other people's presence, yeah. to go to human meetings, connection. do all that. It's that human connection that we, we have to have. Exactly. And then we're told, that is recovery. then we're told no human connection. Mm-hmm. Right. And all these people, I got instead isolation. Oh, I'm so petrified. I'm so petrified of where these numbers are going right now. Yeah. There, I mean, overdose deaths are up like 20%, 30%. Overdoses in general are up over 40%. This is really scary. And I know that this whole COVID situation is, is scary for many people for many reasons, right? And many people are struggling and suffering. But this particular population is just 
I mean, families are being devastated by, by, by overdose again, by people struggling with loneliness and despair and depression and, 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 and turning to what has proven to, I don't know, give them a calming effect or just to help them check out from the overwhelmingness of life for a little while. And, and, and they're just, they're, they're not, they're dying. Mm -hmm. They're dying at an alarming rate. And we are, we thought we were going downwards with the numbers and, and I got bad news. I, it, we're going upwards in a major, major way. Yep, absolutely. So Mike, listen, I want to thank you. I want to thank you for being here. I want to thank you for, for being my friend. I want to thank you for the work that you do. And, um, yeah, I, I look forward to what, what God has in the future for us. So thank you and God bless you, buddy. Thank you. Keep doing up the good work. Appreciate it. Let us pray for those who suffer under the bondage of substance use disorder. We light this candle of grace to dispel the darkness of guilt, blame, and loss. Here to advocate, we are here to love, and we are here to remember. Lord, I pray you, save my life. Gracious is the Lord, and righteous our God is full of compassion. Hey guys, Jim Wahlberg here from The Bottom Line. Listen, I just want to remind you, please make sure you subscribe to our YouTube page at Wall Street Productions. And I also want to remind you, push that little bell. Just push it, man. It takes one second. Then that will notify you when anything's going on with The Bottom Line. Thanks.